Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the latest edition of the NEC On The Run podcast here on the NEC Overtime Pod. I'm Craig D'Amico, and today I am joined by the head coach of Bryant Women's Basketball, Mary Burke. This interview is going to kind of be like your local classic rock station. We're going to bring in the hits from the 70s, 80s, the 90s. Today, a lot of road to cover with Mary and her journey in basketball. Mary, thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh, thanks so much, Craig, for having me. I greatly appreciate it. And now, Mary, the, the question I always like to start with in these interviews is always the same. How did you fall in love with the game of basketball? How, when, where, why, how? Because a lot of times there's a great story behind it. Well, you know, you know, back in the day, um, we used to play in the neighborhood with, um, you know, all the neighborhood kids. And, you know, right from the jump, I was just really good at different sports. And, you know, basketball was something I picked up on really early on. Um, but really the story behind it all was I got rejected as a cheerleader. And um, so I tried out for like the junior high team. And right from the beginning, I was just really good at it. So it was kind of the flip side of the rejection of not, you know, not having the ability to be a cheerleader. I think it kind of worked out though. Yeah. You know, I, great situation. <laughs> now you, you kind of referenced it is that right from a young age, you know, you, you were gifted in a lot of different sports, um, all state in basketball, volleyball. I'm sure you played a lot of other sports as a kid as well. Uh, how was it that you kind of found out that, you know, wow, I, I have some gifts here that when it comes to athletics. Well, um, you know, again, I think it was just, you know, really natural for me. Um, so when I entered junior high and really started playing um, somewhat organized basketball back then, there was no AAU and organized at a, a really young age. So it really started for me in the junior high level and really started to excel. And I guess, you know, I really thought and, and my parents, um, you know, felt like this is something that we could really kind of, you know, continue to explore and see where it took me. Now, what did you enjoy most, your time playing volleyball? Because I know in, in a lot of players, especially today, they play high school volleyball, and those skills kind of translate into onto the basketball court. So uh, what did you enjoy most about volleyball, and how do you see those volleyball skills translate into the, the game of basketball? Well, the interesting story is that, honestly, I was a better volleyball player than basketball. Um, but back in the day, the money and the scholarships were in basketball. Sure. So, so my high school coach um, for basketball was also the volleyball coach. And um, Tollgate High School um, volleyball had a big tradition of success, meaning winning championships every year. So, um, you know, for me, I think there are so many similar skills to volleyball and basketball. It's a natural transition. And, um, you know, back, you know, when I was playing Basketball was in the wintertime, obviously, and then volleyball was in the spring. So it allowed me, you know, to do both. And I think it's so important. I think so much now kids really kind of just zone in on one sport. And it was really, I think, um, just a benefit for me to play both and have the success, um, you know, in basketball, in volleyball. And um, I just really enjoyed both of them and, um, you know, different dynamics. But, you know, the success at both and it was really important for me. Now, coming out of Tollgate, I, I, I imagine that the recruiting process uh, back in the 80s is a little bit different than it is today. Uh, you know, technology aside, uh, what, are, what were some of the differences from, you know, how you were recruited to, you know, how you are going out and recruiting players today? Yeah, so, um, you know, as I mentioned, there was no, like, big AAU tournaments and, and things like that. Or I'd say, you know, I didn't really participate in what was back then the smallest scale you would go to like camps 
Um, and again, I'm um, a big Rhode Islander. I like to stay close to home. So I didn't really explore a lot of the national tournaments. So I basically stayed in the, like the New England, um, you know, high school profile basketball camps. And from there, obviously I was recognized and believe it or not, I did receive a lot of attention from a variety of different schools across the country. Um, in my, in my basement, I have a big suitcase full of all the letters, you know, wow. really like from over 300 different schools, um, of schools that were interested. Um, but again, you know, being from Rhode Island, I really wanted to stay more on the, in the Northeast. And so then I had opportunities obviously to go to Providence. And that led you to Providence, you know, winter of, of 1986, Challenger disaster just happened. Dion Warwick's that's what friends are for was number one on the charts and Providence was making their run to the Big East championship. You remember that team NCAA tournament appearance. What, what, what do you remember most about that team and that run that winter, uh, that, that magical winter of 86? Uh, you know, it was a great team. And, um, you know, our associate head coach, Britt King, was also one of my teammates. And um, we were pretty dynamic. Doris Burke, who's, you know, obviously, you know, famous for uh, being on ESPN and being an analyst. Uh, she was our point guard. So we were a little bit more up-tempo before it became accustomed to be up-tempo. So she'd run the show. You know, Coach King was, you know, a great rebounder. Um, I guess you'd kind of label me a little bit of a scorer. So we had a lot of different dynamics and I'd like to say a little bit of a team before it's time. So, um, you know, having that success at Providence and, um, you know, just the way Providence does things um, at the highest level um, was just such a great experience for me. And, and, and what does it mean to, cause even till this day, you're, you're still up there on like some of the all time scoring charts and, and, you know, in the record book. So your, your, your time at Providence, when you think back on it, you know, now, you know, do, do you look back on it with, with, with that, that, those kind of fond memories, even all these years later? Well, it went by so fast. Sure. Um, and so now, you know, we've had the opportunity to go to Providence play a few times and, you know, just to know that in my, in my four years, I could leave a mark and, and have success. Um, because again, being from Rhode Island, oftentimes people didn't think back then players were really good enough. It was a small state. And in comparison to the Massachusetts, the New Jersey's and on and on and on, could Rhode Island really have players good enough to play in the Big East? So, um, you know, honestly, I was really happy to kind of prove a lot of people wrong and to be able to leave my mark and, you know, you know, have the opportunity to still be in the record books means a lot. And, and, and when those four years came and went, uh, I'm sure real, it seemed real fast, like, like you said, uh, what, what was the decision into transitioning to kind of be uh, an assistant coach and go into coaching? I'm sure that there were many opportunities out there. What, what led you into coaching and, and what eventually led you to Bryant? Well, first off, you know, I didn't really graduate from college thinking, hey, I wanted to get into coaching. Um, it happened to be um, the day I graduated from college, the head coach at Bryant at the time, who I did not know, just randomly called me and asked if I was interested in getting into coaching. Um, you know, so obviously just come, graduating from Providence, I thought, you know, I still had the itch to do a little something in basketball. Let me see, you know, what this opportunity could bring. So I did um, go up and meet with him. He's a great guy, um, obviously presented a plan um, that, you know, I was pretty intrigued with. Um, and so I decided to take them up on it. It was a part-time position. It was $2,000. Um, so, you know, 
now when I'm in the office and I hear some of these um, grad students complain about their salaries, I say, you know, I don't want to hear it because we all start somewhere. Right. So um, I did it for two years at a part-time level. Um, from the moment I walked in the door, to be honest with you, Craig, um, the players all embraced me, really respected me. It was a very positive experience. It was almost like, because um, my story is very untraditional, like it was meant to be. I can't say it enough. I didn't know Ralph Tommaso, who was the head coach. Uh, for him to call me and ask me if I'd be interested to walk in the door and have a positive experience. We won two conference championships in my first two years as an assistant. Um, really just, you know, springboarded every opportunity going forward. And it was almost like, you know, it was fate and it was meant to be. Uh, I was just about to say, it seems like all the timing, everything was lined up perfectly like it was meant to be. That, that's what I was thinking as well. Because, you know, in this profession, um, and it's normal that you would have four or five different schools that you've had an opportunity to coach at, sure. learn from other coaches. And there's a lot to be said for that. Um, that wasn't my journey. Um, so my journey was I worked under one person for four years and then got the opportunity and, um, you know, had to do a lot of the trial and error on my own. So, um, you know, it's just a, um, a great experience from the beginning. And I still have relationships with those players. Laura Sinto, who is the associate head coach at Fairfield, was a player when I was an assistant. Um, one of the other players that was on that team just reached out to me, will see me at Sacred Heart. So, um, again, I just can't say how important it was for me because I didn't know coaching was where I was going when I graduated from college to have such a positive experience, it really brought me in and then just really opened so many amazing doors. Now, now let's go to, to summer of 91. Terminator 2 was the number one movie in America. Desert Storm just finished up a few months earlier. And Mary Burke takes over as the Bryant women's basketball coach. What was that, that meeting, that phone call, whatever that, that contact was uh, when Bryant administration kind of handed over the keys and said, this is yours? So, you know, there's not, there wasn't a lot of glitz and glam the way it is today. So even though I'd been there as an assistant for four years, I still had to go through the full interviewing process. And um, at that time, Leon Drury was the athletic director. He brought me in um, and, you know, obviously said, congratulations, uh, we want to offer you the head women's basketball coaching position. And obviously I was really excited um, and really felt this was going to be my opportunity to kind of move forward and, um, and have an opportunity to hopefully be an influencer on young women um, going forward. So um, I was really excited about the opportunity. And I thought I had paid my dues being there for four years as an assistant. At the same time, though, you, you, you obviously had the playing experience, paid your dues, but you know, you're only a handful of years older than the players that you're coaching. So what was that dynamic like? Uh, it was kind of crazy because you know, when the players go out to meet the officials and they would say, who's the head coach. And then they point over to me, um, you know, they would, the players would come back and tell me like, they were like, really? Cause I was so much younger. <laughs> I didn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now the officials say she's still here. You know, it's like <laughs> the crazy dynamic, but you know, back then you're right. I was only like four years older than the seniors. Um, and so again, for me to have their respect, um, you know, from such a young age was, you know, just great and such a positive experience. That, that, that first year, what were your initial 
goals, your, your initial priorities, you know, taking over, I'm sure it was like a whirlwind, uh, you know, get ready for the upcoming season off and off and going. So what were your initial goals and priorities when you first took that seat? Well, I got, uh, um, provided the opportunity, um, and handed the opportunity like in late May, early June. So it was probably behind a little bit in the recruiting process, but you have to understand the recruiting process back then was we probably had a thousand dollars, maybe $2,000 recruiting budget. Um, you got two computer printout sheets. One were students who were interested in Bryant. The other ones were students who had, had been accepted at Bryant who expressed interest in basketball. So you'd, you'd go, you'd use those, you'd go to camps. Um, so it was so much, you know, smaller, um, than, you know, what we do today. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess my mentality as the head coach, I really wanted to um, have my own, like the experience that I had as a player, I really wanted to kind of present to the players, you know, it was such a positive experience, but, you know, some tough coaching um, and really wanted the players to have the ability to grow and be challenged and through their four years, leave Bryant being the best they could be and using the resources that were available. So, you know, from the beginning, that was really kind of the mentality. And, and it, it didn't take that long because year four, 18 win season, first winning season, year five, 19 wins NCAA tournament. So, so what were some of your memories there of the build as you got to year four, year five, and some of the players that helped you get there? Yeah. So, um, you know, my first recruiting class um, was Liz Davies. She's still the all-time leading scorer. Um, post player over 2000 points, no three point line, you know, no threes. Um, pretty good. <laughs> yep. Work costs. Um, Beth Wandice, who's our associate, um, women's, um, administrator at Bryant. Um, she was a tough, played hard, passionate, um, still is either one or two, um, at Bryant in steals. Um, and Heather Lopes was, you know, an athletic fast defender, so my very first recruited class, three out of the five were studs and I rode them for the first four years. Um, and so, as you just mentioned, the success they had getting to the NCAA tournament and, um, you know, I really thought it was all about me and boy, I'm going to really kill this profession. I'm going to be awesome. You know, I got really cocky about it. And then as, as it goes, you know, you always get humbled because um, it is always about players, but those three um, right out of the gate really set the mentality of what I expected. Um, how hard to play, how passionate to play. Obviously, they were talented. They played with pride on who they represented and me. Um, so, you know, from the beginning, I was really spoiled and um, I couldn't have asked for better, you know, recruited class um, in my first one in the mark. I, they still I, leave I, the I'd program. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And, and, you know, they really set the foundation for, for, as you said, you know, kind of where, where you are today and the type of program that you have today at Bryant. And, you know, in, in 2004, the team reached incredible heights, 22 wins, program record, sweet 16. What, what stands out to you from that season? Well, it, we had an upperclassman team that year. And um, unfortunately, in the Northeast 10, we um, went to the conference tournament and we hiccuped. And we lost in the conference tournament uh, in the first round at home. But because the conference is so strong, we got an at-large bid. So our at-large bid was, congratulations, you're going to the NCAA tournament. But it's against Bentley, who, again, is a team in our league, traditionally is a 
you know, top 10 program in the country. We play them every year. And my record against them wasn't very good. So um, we go in to play the game. And, be, and as we walk in, um, the, the announcers who are calling the game said, listen, we'd like to talk to you beforehand. And we're going to talk to Coach Stevens after, assuming they're going to win. Um, and so went in the locker room before the game. I said, ladies, there'd be nothing better than for us to go out there, you know, obviously win and have Coach Stevens talk about the loss after. So um, we played really well. It was a tough game. Um, came down to the wire. Um, you know, ended up winning by five. Um, go in the locker room, obviously really happy. Get on the bus, go back to the hotel. And as we pull up, Bentley's bus is in front of us. And I happened to look in the hotel and they were checking out. And um, it was probably one of the bigger moments in my career because I realized for the first time, you know, we put them there. So, um, and that's what allowed us to continue to move on and get to the Sweet 16. So, um, you know, had a really upperclassman-oriented team. Again, another, you know, lots of talent um, that allowed us to really climb and, and put the program where it should be. Well, what was your communication like, especially at this time with Coach Stevens? Did she give you, a, you know, a little, uh, yeah, you got us or anything like that? No, no, you know, she, you know, she's very classy. And so, um, you know, she obviously handled with a lot of professionalism, but for me, it was just, you know, finally got over the hump, finally beat Bentley, finally, you know, was able to have that success um, and win a game in the NCAA tournament and then, and moved on from there. So it was awesome. And now it wasn't that many years later where we come into the picture. Now the transition to the Northeast conference, what, what were some of your first thoughts when, when you heard from administration that, you know, hey, we're, we're making this leap. We're making this transition. It's it's official. It's happening. And uh, and you guys are going to be in the Northeast Conference. Well, I, I definitely talked to people um, who knew the conference and I was asking, you know, you know, you know, what do you think? Can we be successful in this, you know, in, in this conference? And, you know, everyone was like, you know, definitely, you know, the Northeast 10 was such a strong Division Two league. We're always one of the top, you know, five conferences in the country that I was well prepared the team was well prepared to go out and meet those challenges at the division one level. So, um, you know, that first year in transition, you know, was a little difficult because 21 out of the 29 games were on the road. Um, and we still managed to win 11 games. So, um, you know, and if we didn't win, we were right there to win. And um, oftentimes administration from other schools came up to me and was like, you know, you guys play hard, you're tough. So um, I thought we were well prepared, uh, but I definitely did my homework beforehand asking people who had some information about the NEC and where they thought we could be. And at that time, Pete Sanella was the coach at FDU and we were really good friends. And, you know, he, you know, he had thought we'd be fine. I, I remember my first conversation with you and we were talking about that, the, the four-year transition period to being eligible for the NEC tournament. And you were saying that your goal was to each year get in the top eight, just so that when the time comes, you know, that's old hat. You've been in the top eight the whole time and you can go right into the postseason. And that's kind of what ended up happening. What was it like kind of navigating those waters, finding the right players to come in when you were recruiting so that, you know, 2013, when you were first eligible, you, you can be right there as a contender? Well, I think first off, you really had to continue to maintain the mentality of be a playoff team, even though we weren't going to be eligible. So that, like you mentioned, when that opportunity arose, we were there and we were ready to go with it. 
Um, in the recruiting front, there were some hard times because there were players who then realized, oh, you're not going to be eligible to go to playoffs. You know, they, they wanted no part of that. So you had to recruit players who just wanted to be a part of something special. Very rarely in your career are you going to be a part of a foundation of a Division I program and really have the ability to leave your mark. So we, you know, we really sold that. Um, and again, just, you know, brought in those right kids who had that right mentality of really continuing to kind of push the program forward um, so that when, you know, our time was ready to compete, we'd be right there. You know, it almost, you mentioned right from the beginning, your first recruiting class, the pillars of the program, so to speak, setting that foundation. It's almost like you had to set the pillars all over again and bring in the right people as, for the first couple classes after the transition to D1, just to kind of set the tone for where you want to be as a division one program. Well, you know what you say that and um, in our first year in, tr in um, transition, Kelsey O'Keefe was a first team all conference player. So um, it kind of showed right there that the level that which we were training at, meaning the Northeast 10, that these players were really ready to come in and could compete and be one of the top five players in the league. So, um, you know, I was really confident that we had the players that were going to be necessary um, to really compete and put the program where it should be, which is one of the top four teams in the conference. Now, in 2013, first year eligible uh, first NEC tournament appearance. It came down to the wire last game, Bryant, Robert Morris playing for that final playoff spot. You guys got them in overtime. Now in hindsight, they kind of took this win out on you guys for like the next six, seven years after that. But in this moment, <laughs> 2013, you got them in overtime to make that first tournament. What, 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 what do you remember most about that, that game and, and that run just to get in for that very first time? Well, I know like our, we always had battles with Robert Morris. We were kind of very similar as far as programs are concerned, meaning very post oriented. And, you know, we, we had a really battle. And um, I remember in that overtime, um, we had to make a big shot to get into overtime. So, um, you know, Robert Morris has always been a, a staple and an elite team in the conference. So when we had the ability to beat them, I really think it just gave us confidence so that we could like move forward and be ready you know, to compete at what would be the playoff mentality. So um, it was a big step forward for the program for us. And you meant Brian and, and uh, Robert Morris, one of the big rivalries in the conference for, for many, many years. And, and obviously that was just the beginning for Bryant, regular season championship, just a couple of years after that, NEC championship game a couple of years after that. Um, so a, a lot of opportunities there during this time period. Did, do, you, do you ever look back at some of those moments? And, Man, I wish we did something different or, oh, you know, if, if only this went our way. Any, any kind of second thoughts like that? Well, you know what, Craig, I, I do that on every game, to be, <laughs> to be, to be <laughs> honest sure. with you. Win or loss, I'm always, you know, hey, if I did this, you, you know, you're watching film and why is she still in or why didn't you run this or why didn't you do this? So. Um, you know, there's, a, there's always a lot of that that goes on. Um, but again, I've been really proud of the history of the program and the players that have been a part of it and the pridefulness that they've played with. And, um, you know, it's allowed me to get to this point and have the longevity in my career. I think we all know that in coaching, you've got to have players. And um, not just because they were successful players, but it was also about how they've done it and um, excelling not only on the court, but also in the classroom, which was really important at Bryant. And that kind of brings us here to the, the present day, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I, I, I guess we'll, we'll hit you with some quick hitters here, a wide range of, 
uh, of topics here in, in college sports and, and athletics and basketball. And, and I guess we'll start with this. As someone who's been in coaching now for, for over 30 years, what is the biggest way that you've seen that coaching has changed over the last 30 years? You know, people say that I'm very like old school. Oh, you go to change. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I'm tough. I'm passionate. Um, you know, kind of demanding. And well, kids have changed. Kids have changed. You know, you gotta. You can't be so, um, you know, truthful. I'm gonna say truthful. Um, hard. And, um, you know, I'd like to think in the recruiting process, it's hard now to find those kids that fit my mold. So, um, I, you know, I just think. A little bit, kids have changed. Um, the portal has made it more difficult because, you know, as you've gone through a little bit of the history of the program, some of those players who have been marquee players have taken time, meaning they've needed freshman, sophomore year. And then all of a sudden they come into their own their junior, senior year and really carry the torch of the program. That's traditionally how it's done for me. And nowadays, you know, I think about maybe the Alex Kleins and some of the other players that came before her who needed a couple years would have got influenced by outside people, as you know, outside people and said, hey, listen, go play somewhere else and you can you know, be a starter. Um, and I would have never saw them come to flourishing or maybe they wouldn't even been the player they've been because they were jumping around so much. So um, I think the portal just makes it such a different dynamic. And um, it, as I said, I just, I think it makes it difficult. And now what, what have you seen as the biggest change in, in female athletics over the last 30 years? Because it seems like there's been such a, a growth, obviously a lot, lot, lot of work still to do. But in, in terms of just female athletics, how have you seen the growth over the last 30 years? Well, I think, first off, like the support, um, you know, I, I can see it with Bryant. But um, I just think like, for an example, just in women's basketball, we had Sunday off and, you know, I was like scrolling through the channels and there were five different women's games on. And they all had great crowds and they were all great games. You know, back in the day, there was like an elite, maybe two, three teams, four teams. Um, way back when I first started, they only put on the national championship game. Now they have college women games on, college softball games on, college volleyball games on. So it's great to see um, that the reason why those games are on is because there's support to watch them on TV. And the quality of athletes, the quality of the games, and, you know, it's obviously going to continue to grow. Um, but, it, you know, I've been so lucky to see it really continue to come to fruition. Now, I, I don't know that I've ever asked you this and we don't have to name names or anything like that. But um, I, I'm sure as someone who's been so successful in coaching for such a long period of time, I'm sure there, there must have been some other opportunities to maybe go elsewhere. You mentioned though, your you know, home was a big thing to you in Rhode Island for your entire life. So it makes sense, you know, why, why you're still at Bryant, but ha have there been some other opportunities over the, over the years? You know, everyone asks me that, you know, or, yeah. So, you know, for me, um, again, being from Rhode Island was really important. I never really chased that. Um, it wasn't about here at Bryant. I have great support from my administration. I have, um, great facilities to sell. I have great education to sell. Um, and to be honest, personally, my mom lived with me for 12 years. She got diagnosed with Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's. Like I was not going to pick her up and move her somewhere. And I sure as heck wasn't going to walk away. So sure. the last five years of her life were tough. And I was lucky enough to be there to the end. And those things mattered to me. And I just wasn't one of those type of people that felt it was important to go out and 
try either as an assistant or a head coach to go find something else. I had all the tools I need right here at Bryant to be successful. Now it's up to me not to blow it, but <laughs> I just felt I had all the tools and being there for my family, being in Rhode Island was so much more important to me than chasing another hundred thousand dollars or whatever it may have been. I, I, I hear you on that. I, I, unfortunately, I don't know there's a lot, uh, any, that many other people like that, but I'm, I'm no, with you I know. Um, who would you say has been the toughest player that you've coached against, whether it be D2 or D1 uh, during your career? I think, um, and she, she, you know, great kid, Artemis Banu. Um, I thought she was very good, um, you know, multidimensional inside, outside, um, you know, was what player of the year for at least three out of the four years and rookie yeah. of the year. Um, so she made a big impact into the league and, you know, she was just such a really classy player as well. You know, she reached out to me in her, um, at the end of her senior year and, you know, continued to stay in contact with me for, for a couple of years. So I thought not only, you know, was she a really tough player and so versatile, but I thought she was a very classy young woman as well. So um, I thought she was a very difficult guard to figure out. There's a future Hall of Famer. She could do it all. She could score, re- rebound. She, she did just about everything. So I'm sure it gave a... Uh, Gave you some late nights trying to game, game plan against her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, you, you kind of alluded to it through the interview, you know, how, how you're, you're passionate, you know, demanding that Bryant toughness has been a, a calling card for your team. So, you know, when you're out there recruiting, what, what type of player do you look for to fit with, with the Bryant program and, and what you're looking for? Yeah. So, you know, again, it's it's a little bit more of a challenge nowadays because of AAU and um, you know, how, how they do things, meaning, um, you know, it's, they play a couple, you know, play a game in the morning, go back home or back to the hotel, relax, then come back in the afternoon. And, um, just not, you you really have to watch kids. You gotta, you gotta watch how they play, what their mentality is, talking to their coaches, watch practices. Um, it's hard. It's hard nowadays because everyone wants those kids. So, um, to find those little diamonds in the rough who have that mentality and the work ethic that want to grow. Because I'll be honest with you, Craig, a lot of, a lot of players, unfortunately now as well, don't understand, like when you get to college, you got to continue to work hard. you got to continue to get better. You know, you got to weight train, you got to come in and do individual stuff. So um, you got to do a lot of research on players now more so than ever before, because that dynamic on players not understanding when they get to college, you got to continue to work and get better. This is just getting here with step one. Step two is being everything you can be by the time you graduate. That's true. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of the journey. Exactly. I'm sure there's a lot, fortunately, there's a lot more information on players available now than you mentioned back in the day. So I'm sure that makes it somewhat easier for you guys. A little bit, but you still got to, you know, you only know what your eyes see. So you, you got to really see those kids and not get caught up so much in, you know, what other people think or what their evaluations are, because they have no idea about your program. They have no idea what you're like. So that may not be accurate for you. Now shifting gears a little bit as someone who's been a, a lifelong Rhode Islander, uh, if, if I was coming for a weekend, a nice vacation up to Rhode Island, what, what, what are the hot spots? What are the two or three places that I need to see that I need to hit? Well, I would say like Newport's very nice. Um, I like Block Island as well. I think those are like two big, two big areas. So um, 
if you're into just dining, I think uh, Federal Hill is also, you know, a place. So it's a small little state, um, but I think we have a little bit of everything. Now, every year that the NEC tournament has been an eight-team field, Bryant has, has been in it since they've been eligible in 2013. So now shifting to the, the present-day team season already underway, conference play right around the corner. What, what do you like best about the group that you have here this year, and what can we expect to see from them coming up? Yeah, I think um, we've played a, thus far a, a pretty challenging non-conference schedule. Um, you know, we're still growing. Um, we're m- making some mistakes. Um, and so we're really using this time to kind of expose all the things we need to work on so that we are ready for the NEC. Um, right now, we have a little bit of a gap during exams, which that's a top priority. But the other priority is to come in here and work on some of the things we need to address to get better. So. Um, you know, I'll take kind of the struggles that we've had in the non-conference if it makes us ready and prepared for the NEC. And, um, you know, the NEC is extremely competitive and, um, you know, we, we need to be ready and playing our best basketball as we go forward after Christmas. And then we look forward to seeing you guys on the court. I'll be seeing you guys for one of your TV games coming up here this season. So we're really excited about it. Coach, we covered over 30 years in 30 minutes here. I would say that's pretty efficient. Uh, thanks so much, Craig. Coach, thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck this season to you and the Bulldogs. All right, great, and look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Absolutely. That's Mary, Mary- Burke, the head coach of Bryant Women's Basketball, and this has been the NEC on the Run podcast here on the NEC Overtime <laughs>